What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of We Run This. I'm Crystal Minotti. I'm Gina Capone. Hi, Gina. Hey. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, I got some heartburn. I know you do. Oh, it's like like poking at my chest. Did you run today? I did. I did five miles. And it didn't bother you during that? Mm, not so much. Not so much. No. Uh, or I just ignored it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe just pollen took over. You know what was bothering me today? Cicadas. I didn't hear any. I no, they were hovering over me. They were like hovering around me because I ran kind of like near a trail. Like they were loud. I have not heard them because of where I am located. I hear more, not street noise, but I hear more life noises than I do cicadas. But I ran towards the woods today and I heard them. They were loud. They sound like buzzing, right? They sound like everybody's home alarm is going off at the same time, but like on a street over from you. That's what they sound like. But when I ran in this certain part, like they were kind of like hovering over Mm -hmm. top of me and kind of like they're, they're creepy as hell looking, Mm -hmm. but like nothing. I was just like, kind of just like looking at them. They weren't going to come anywhere near me, but they were kind of like, just, just weird. They're just being weird. You know, and there's like so many of them. They're so loud. Is it, this is going to go on all summer? I don't even know. Like, I don't pay I, attention. I haven't seen any, so this might just be around you, or maybe I'm just lucky. I well, you live more in a city-ish type area with less trees. I live in a very wooded type area yeah. where there's a lot of trees. That's true. So there's a lot more of them. Um, yeah, so I did go for a run today. Did you run today? I did run today. And I went uh, for a long walk to tire out my dog and it did not work. Cause and it did not work because he's barking his, his, I walked uh, him like almost five miles and I ran and he, I'm more tired than he is probably. Got you. Um, you're going to be tired because we have two podcasts today. So you'll be yes. tired after that. I have four, but you have two. <laughs> oh God. Okay. We will not complain then. Yeah. Um, so before we get into our guest today is Amanda Brooks. She is a running coach. She's a runner. She's a writer. A pro, I want to say prolific writer. She had 2000 researched articles on her website, which is freaking insane. I don't know if they're all on her website. I'm sure she's written other places, but she's done over 2000 articles. So um, the book, a book. Yeah, that is a uh, she writes probably as much as she runs, I would assume, or pretty close to it. Uh, if she could figure out how to do it at the same time, then she'd really get stuff done. But uh, before we jump into that interview, you sent me this little like screenshot of this thing. It's called Things All Runners Love. And we wanted to talk about it real quick because it's kind of funny. So uh, these are 10 things all runners love. And we want to get some feedback of everybody out there. Uh, DM us, uh, send us an email, go like our YouTube page, go do all that stuff and then comment on this. So uh, (laughs) let's start it off. 10 things all runners love. One, carbs. Yes, very obvious. Like everybody loves carbs. Yeah, but like especially runners. Yes. Pizza, okay. pasta, pretzels. Okay. Necessity. You love pretzels, um, huh? <laughs> yeah, uh, I love pretzels. This is very accurate oversharing. Oversharing. Do you overshare? Oh my God. Yeah. All the time. Oversharing about running or just in life in general? Well, I feel like when you run with people, you like have to talk the whole time. Oh, yeah. You just like share everything. Oh, this meant in a run? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally I overshare. I just, in a run. Yeah. yeah. Now that you've said that, yes, I do that. Yeah. Uh, uh, 10 things runners love neon. I love a good neon. I have orange shorts, pink shorts, bright, the running shoes. What what are you going to do when A, that's the products they make, so you have to buy them. And B, you have to be somewhat reflective when you're running around (laughs) and eat and eat. But you have to be somewhat reflective, you know? Like a subconscious choice. You don't don't really want to be neon, but like you 
kind of do. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with being neon. I'm fine. <laughs> this number four is our favorite, waving to strangers. Oh, God. I wave to every stranger. <laughs> All... Instead of oversharing, over waving, over, over greeting. I'm and then the, to everybody. the more you don't want to wave to me, the more I'm going to give you the salute. I'm just going to make it big. I'm like, yeah. Acknowledge go. me. Say yes. good morning. Look at me running. Look yeah. at me running. Um, next one poop stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Love a good, love a good poop story. <laughs> uh medals i love my medals i have mine on display and then me and chris talked about this i, I would wear mine out, out yeah you would wear yours to school <laughs> mine to school in high school i did not care i i feel like i think it's uh i'm not that type of person look i i admit in this episode that i can't even run shirtless mm -hmm. so i'm not gonna be the guy that wears a medal <laughs> too much attention yeah yeah which is weird for what i do because what i do is basically all attention yes very true very true weird. but different kind of attention kind of yeah yeah i got yeah kind of uh prs yeah yeah i mean yeah you want to know that you're doing well yeah but I feel like this is like what I struggle with sometimes when people follow me and I'm like, do they know what, if I say like chasing a PR, like, do they know what that means? Like, what do people who don't run think of, think that PR stands for? Um, I'm sure they probably look it up or they assume it's a running thing that they don't understand. Yeah. Like I, just, <laughs> I know I always think about that. This one is my favorite, not stretching. Oh yeah. I feel like every run, there's very few runners that I see. I mean, like everybody does the quick, like, you know, when we, when we go for runs for friends, we do the quick, like you and I do the quick a little walk. Shake, a little shake, a little walky, stretchy. Yeah. I, I think about how long our walks are. It's literally from the car to the beginning of the trail. Yeah, that, yeah. That's our walk. But that's like our, even afterwards, I like, it's no, it's just not happening. I'll put my feet up a wall and that's really it. Uh, passing people. Yes, I do love passing people. Obviously, you love passing people in a race. Uh, did I ever tell you my legendary not passing someone story? No, but I would love to hear it. Uh, I was running a 5K. It was a 5K, I think. And we were coming up towards the finish line. And the way it was, like, you ran down this one path, and then it kind of looped around in a field and came back. Mm -hmm. Well, the end of the path ended back into a park slash playground area. There was a guy about maybe 10 steps in front of me and I was going to easily pass him mm -hmm. except while I was running his little daughter who was probably four years old was on the playground and she comes running up towards me towards me she was like daddy daddy you're doing so great I love you and like started cheering him on and I was like I can't, I can't pass this him. guy. <laughs> like his daughter's watching. No, I can't. But he's probably so mad if he ever listens to this because you let you let him beat you. Do you know he was in my age bracket and I think he placed above me? Yeah. So yeah. you you cheated him. I'm a softy. You know what? It was like a regular 5K. <laughs> it was like, but like in that moment, that shows you like that was the one time that I was just like, I can't I pass can't. this guy right now because I would have blown past because like, you know, for some reason, I had that late adrenaline rush, and I just wanted to. You, you had that kick, yeah, that final kick. I did, and it was one of the rare times. Uh, talking about running, that's of the number course. ten. We have a podcast, of course. Yeah, we host a <laughs> podcast about running. Like, obviously, we like talking about running. So, those are our ten things. If anybody has anything they want to add to the things that runners love, uh, we'd nice. love to hear it. We'll we'll do our own personal list, like the we run this twenty things that runners love. Yeah, yeah we'll yeah. add it on. Uh, but yeah, so we talked to Amanda today. Uh, she was fun to talk to. 
uh, we got into a little bit about the mind of coaching and, mm-hmm. you know, it was really interesting that I found fascinating and I don't want to like you know, spoiler ruin, ruin parts of the episode, but that she said the majority of new people that she gets for coaching is like women, 40, 50, and 60 mm-hmm. who decide like now is the time they want to run and run marathons. That's crazy to me. I mean, that's when you run in your prime. Well, like they say that forties, forties is like you're running prime. I, I could see people getting into that age and wanting to really like get better. Oh, but, yeah. But like people who just like wake up and they're 40 and they're like, I want to start running and I want to do a marathon. Like that kind of surprised me. So we talked about coaching. Uh, we talked about how she got into running, you know, um, some body image issues when she was a kid, not herself, but like people would say things about her body, which is always weird to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we had a pretty good conversation with Amanda. She's got a ton of articles. Uh, basically we could have just read all of her articles and found out everything (laughs) about her, but that's not as much fun. But so, uh, here's, um, Gene and I talking to Amanda Brooks. We're back everybody. And we are here with Amanda Brooks. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing good. Uh, so obviously, Gene and I want to talk to you about running and writing and running about writing about running and all that stuff. But there's something that popped out to both of us when we read your online bio. Uh, you're an only child. Indeed. Gene and I are both only children. So let's make fun of all the people who have siblings <laughs> and tell them that we are not as uh, I don't know. Let's talk about some of the stigmas that come with only children. What what well, what have you heard over the years? Oh yeah. I, I love it when someone says to me, I never would have guessed you're an only child. And so I assume that means like they think I should be very selfish and not care about anybody else. <laughs> Bad at sharing, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I never understood that. So does that mean so they always say uh, only children are selfish, spoiled, things like that. Uh, I've met a lot of people with many siblings who are also selfish (laughs) and spoiled and all of those things. It's not like those traits skip people with siblings. It's just that then there's five of you that are like that. So I never understood. And the one that really uh, cracks me up is you're spoiled. Okay. Well, when you only have to buy for one kid, it makes it much easier. (laughs) A great deal easier. So how do you think being an only child affected you, you know, as an adult? I think probably one of the things is that I'm okay being by myself. Um, So I love being around people, but I'm also totally fine. I can entertain myself. I can read a book. Like I can just sit by myself because I had to do that. (laughs) And so I think I see a lot of my friends who just, man, they need people and stimulus. Like all the time and i'm like no i i enjoy you but i'm also okay if it's just me (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'd like to get your opinion on this and gina i want to get your opinion too because we you and i have never really discussed this so gina you're okay with like the being alone thing right Mm -hmm. okay i think i'm an introvert because i'm an only child that would make sense yeah but do you do, do the two of you often have a hard time with people who are extroverted not understanding that you're okay being alone. 
Yeah, I had someone tell me like, oh, you're clearly an introvert. And I was like, well, that's not really true. Like I'm a Leo. I have the like, like to be around people, but I also appreciate time by myself. So I was like, mm-hmm. I don't really think that I'm an introvert per se, but I'm not you. I'm not an extrovert like that just needs that like people feeling all the time. Mm-hmm. Is that what drew you towards running? the soloness of it? No, I really, it was a little different. Um, it was really more about, I think the feeling I got from doing it. So it was hard and I did it and I thought that's weird. I'm choosing to do something that's hard. And that sort of like resonated with me in this, like, I'm really proud of you for doing that kind of way. So you, you weren't the type of kid who would gravitate towards harder things. I would say because a lot of things were easy for me, like school was easy for me. So I never had to work super hard at it. So I didn't, I got A's without working super hard, like, or I played sports. I was never trying to be the star on the team. I was just, I'll be at practice. I'll be at the game. And that was good enough for me. Um, So yeah, it was a little bit of a switch to sort of say like, no, I'm going to chase this hard thing. Was it the challenge of running and the, always continuously getting better because you weren't that good? Yes, there's, I mean, the milestones are sort of endless, right? You can chase a distance or a pace or whatever. And so there was kind of that always what's the next thing because I certainly have that in me and running gives you that. I, that makes total sense. I mean, because if, if everything else comes easy, then you would try and gravitate towards something that was hard to make it hard on yourself. Yeah. I, I get that. I'm sure I didn't realize that's what I was doing at the time. In retrospect, I can see it. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so uh, we were checking out your website. As Gina likes to call it, we were stalking you, <laughs> even though it's called research. <laughs> and uh, we saw on the website, so you were, you were raised in Kansas City, and it says that uh, you were told you stunk at running. And even in college, uh, people commented that the reason why is because of your baby fat. Yeah. So, I mean, there were a couple different things that happened when I played softball as a kid, which I played for, I don't know, 10, 12 years. I very distinctly remember like running the bases and afterwards someone would be like, you just look really awkward. And I'm sure some of it was that I grew really fast. I was the tall kid. So I probably was really awkward. Um, And then, you know, as I got older, it was just sort of this ongoing joke that I had baby fat, which was fine. I don't know that it bothered me per se, Um, but I just assumed I wasn't a runner. Like people had told me I wasn't a runner. So I was athletic and they would say that, but (laughs) you're slow. You can't jump. You're awkward at running. Those were not unusual things for me to hear. (laughs) What? I understand why people feel the need to comment on stuff like that. Do you ever wonder like why people feel the need to say you're not a runner or because of this reason, like why even say? Most of them I can look back and say that they thought they were being helpful. So like you look awkward on the bases, maybe you should try X, Y, Z. Like they thought they were coming up with something helpful, but it was not something I could change at the time. Like I couldn't touch my toes. I had no flexibility. Mm -hmm. Um, and that wasn't something anyone considered a problem. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that was some of it. They 
thought maybe they were being helpful, but it's just, you never know how a kid is going to hear it and interpret it. Mm -hmm. Um, was there a particular race or like some moment when you're like, okay, I'm actually not bad at this. Yeah, it was really funny. In college, a group of friends wanted to do a road trip to do the rock and roll Nashville half marathon. And I thought, I want to do that. Like it did not dawn on me. I could go on this trip and not run the race. I could only go if I was running in my head. And so truly that was the start of everything. I was not a runner at all prior to that. And I probably had, I don't know, 12 weeks maybe. Um, and like I said, at least I was athletic, so I wasn't starting from zero, but yeah, I ran that race and just remember finishing and thinking like, I want to keep doing this. I didn't need to keep racing. Like that wasn't it for me, but it was something about like this, this, I need to keep doing. Mm -hmm. And what were the steps that you took to like, make sure, like, did you make sure you did it every day? Like, was it a part of your life routine? Like, how did you incorporate it into your life? hundred percent. I don't remember all of it. Cause it was like 2002. Um, and I was, that feels like kid. probably years. That feels like, like, <laughs> especially in the last year and a half, that probably feels like 75 years ago. <laughs> it does. Plus you're a college kid. So you can kind of get away with treating your body like trash. Mm -hmm. Um, like you recover faster, everything is better. So I know I did a lot of run walk to start. Um, and I very distinctly remember there was this hill that I had to go up and I mean, I had to walk it almost the entire time till there was a day where I could run it. And man, that was I, that moment, I swear, just that feeling of like, I conquered something. And I think that's probably what kind of keeps me coming back with running is like, there's just these little things. It doesn't even have to be a race, but there's this little stuff that you just sort of conquer consistently. When you first started running, did it ever like stick in the back of your mind what people had said about your body in the past? Like, did that ever affect you when you were like when you first started running like you didn't feel like you looked like a runner not really when I first started what became a little bit of an issue later as social media grew was like oh I don't know if I should talk about this because I'm not that fast like right. only fast and I mean like relative to other people I don't know that first half was like a 210 I wasn't like <laughs> meandering along or anything but you know I think Initially, I was just so focused on trying to like figure out what I was doing. I didn't think about it. Later, some of the social stuff made me start to sort of question like, do I have the right to talk about this if I'm not that pace? We've actually talked about that a couple of times before with other people, uh, the imposter syndrome. You think it's like, why? well, you know, but uh, like I, I just came to this realization like somewhat recently so when I go and post the times like that, and I'm like, oh God, I'm not as fast as other people. I'm not, I don't do all this. I'm comparing them to the people that I've seen on social media. That does not mean that me posting, the other people see it. It's just what's in my head. So it's not like, it, it used to feel like when I would post it on social media, person X would see it and go, oh, well, it's compared to person Y, it's nothing. But they never really saw person Y, only I did. Yeah. So it's like, I'm competing with people in my head and then, kind of like justifying myself with these other people it's a really it's a crazy mind game that we play 
there's this really interesting talk that I heard recently that imposter syndrome is also more common in people who are really driven, right? Because we always expect more of ourselves. So we always compare up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we never compare backwards. And so we constantly have this like, oh, I should be able to do more, achieve more. And I was like, yep, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Uh, an- another piece of advice I give people too, like, because Gina and I always get the, uh, oh, uh, I wish I could run like you, or I wish it's like, and you know, we say, if you can move your legs, you can run and stuff like that. But I, I, for a short time, I did uh, stand up comedy and people would say, oh, I I wish I could do something like that. Like, I wish I could do an open mic. And I've taken the advice of that and moved it over to running. I would say, try open mics or try races because you're not going to be the worst person there. (laughs) You will not come in last, trust me, unless you walk maybe backwards, <laughs> like you're not going to be the worst person there. Yeah. And even it's interesting. I think we get in this bubble of runners. So we think, well, everyone runs like, and everyone goes this pace, but it is a very small pool of people that are actually out there running. So even if you come in dead last, there are millions and millions of people who could not have even covered the distance. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is another like weird comparison thing. We kind of forget we're in this little bubble. Mm-hmm. This actually touches on one of Gina's kind of something that sets her off. Um, D- Gina, this is uh, your hatred of Strava. Oh yeah, I really do not like Strava. <laughs> I think I liked it when I first got on it. And then I feel like once the pandemic happened, it got very like competitive and it just like wasn't fun. And I think it was like, I know that nobody was trying to be like overly competitive with it, but I think everyone was trying to do as much as they could, even though there was nothing else to do. So it kind of became like a silent competition between everybody on Strava, like who could do the most and who could like burn themselves out the quickest, I felt like. So I just kind of got off Strava and I, I like doing my recovery run slow, but then I would feel guilty if they were like, too slow or if like then somebody else would be like you're not running slow enough on your recovery runs and it just got too negative for me and I was like I just need to run what feels good for me and not be caught up in like seeing what every single person is doing down to like the second on their runs I could not agree more so I am not on Strava like I obviously have a very large platform and so people ask all the time like are you on there or can you share more about your runs and I will share that I have run. I will share the details of a strength workout, but I don't talk about paces very often. And that's some of it, like an easy run can mean a million different things. And I don't ever want to feel like my easy pace needs to mean something to someone else. (laughs) And another thing too, that, that kind of, you got to factor in there. So the Strava stuff with the, putting the runs out there and the easy runs and stuff, it's not just about running. Like sometimes I have a not great run because I had a garbage night's sleep or I didn't eat or I ate too much or I, there's so much more that goes into it, not just the speed of which my legs have moved. Mm-hmm. So like on those apps, you can't be like, like you can make your own personal notes, but you can't like post a time in Striva and then like have a little, you know, asterisk nest get and go, well, I had too much oatmeal today. Well, people <laughs> so. do like literally Strava is like that. Like, it's like a glorified, like I was saying before, it's like a glorified Facebook, but just like with running, like you could write whatever you want on the caption. I've seen people write paragraphs. I've written paragraphs before. That's people like, you feel like you need to justify yourself on there. 
that's yeah. like, that's the issue. Yeah, for me, it starts to take the joy out of it. So like, we don't have to run. There are a million ways to get fit. So like, I feel like if we're choosing to run, like it should be enjoyable. And yes, I noticed for me when it got to like that kind of stuff, or even when I would start chasing certain race goals that really weren't my goals, they were goals I felt like I was supposed to chase. And then suddenly I was like, I don't really enjoy this. Mm -hmm. Why do you think people are so uh, into your times. I mean, you write about running, you cover running, like they're all of your content is running. Why are they so obsessed with numbers? Is it a comparison thing? So I posted this week because I get DMS all the time asking like, what are your paces? And I'm always like fascinated. It's one of the very few questions I never respond to because I just think it doesn't tell you anything about me. <laughs> like it's not useful, but there is this comparison and there is a little bit of like a competitive factor or when I'm telling you to run easy they want to know well like what's easy for you um you know and then they sort of have this weird game like because I'll even reference elite runners and be like dude they might go out at nine minutes for an easy run to try and help people sort of like see it and so I think a lot of the times they're trying to sort of level up like with where I am. So like, okay, if she thinks that's easy, then that's what I should think is easy. And that's why I don't share paces because it's not the same. <laughs> but don't you think that also kind of might set you up to fail? Because if you were to share your times and the person is like nowhere close to them, they're like, oh God. And then it might actually be a detriment to them. hundred percent. And that's why like, I keep saying slow is not a bad word. Like slow is a descriptor. Yesterday I was faster today. I was slower. Like, Mm. and I think the other thing that helps people is sort of seeing like the average bell curve of times. It's not as fast as everyone thinks. I keep hearing these people say like, well, I don't run an eight minute mile. And I'm like, the average person doesn't run an eight minute mile. Like our average half marathon finishing pace is more like 1145. Um, And so for a lot of people, that's a little bit eye-opening. Yes, so there's definitely... I think I got enough comments long before I read the book from people who sort of said it's refreshing that you don't talk about your pace because I know I'm not that seven minute miler. I'm not an eight minute miler that it just sort of made me realize like we're getting caught up in the wrong numbers. Mm -hmm. What made you decide that you wanted to be a coach? Like how long were you running? And like, what was kind of like that catalyst for you that made you realize that you wanted to start helping others achieve their goals? Yeah. So I had been running about a decade. Um, and I had actually started the blog in like 2007. So it had been going about five years and I was running a lot of challenges there. So they were things to sort of get people through winter, like, and I just was getting so many questions that I really felt like one, I wanted to be certified. I wanted to be more knowledgeable. Um, and then had some friends asking, I think this is how a lot of coaches start like, oh, some friends start asking for plans. Um, and from there, I realized how much I enjoyed a, the educational piece of it. So that's fun for me to sort of relay information in a way people can use. Um, but then seeing people like really chase and achieve their own goals is really rewarding. Um, was it a tough transition to go into coaching as a runner? Like I, we've talked about this before in the podcast too, like 
some people are great at something, but they just can't coach because they don't know how to relay it or they see the person and get so aggravated that they can't, that they're not getting it. So how long did it take you to get into that mental side of coaching? I think pretty quick, mostly because I kind of put on that journalist hat and I had been writing so much about running that I felt like I had knowledge. Now it's crazy for me to look back almost a decade and realize how much more I know now. And I think like to those first people I coached, I apologize. I think it could have gone a lot better. Um, so I think that's the interesting thing with any coach is like, we're all the good ones are continuing to learn and evolve with the new information. Um, but it was something that kind of clicked right away. It's so funny that you you just apologize to the people that you coached in the beginning. That would be like if a chef was like, anybody who came into my restaurant 10 years ago, I'm so sorry for what I made you. Now I'm much better. Like, of course, you're going to know more now. Like, I think you're kind of beating yourself up on that. It's true. I also coached them for free, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so did you do that just to kind of get used to the, I got you. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. How did your plans change over time? Like, how did like, your, when you look back to like the first training programs that you put out for others versus like what you know now and what you give to others now, what was like that shift? So one of the biggest things is now I require strength training, um, which was not really a thing we talked much about back then, like unless you got hurt, which was the only reason I did a few specific things to prevent injury. Um, so now like there's just more data. So I require strength training. That's a big piece. Um, really also helping people understand how to run easy. So I think even back then we still defined easy as a pace <laughs> and like, well, no, if your heart rate is 175, that is not easy. Um, so I feel like those are kind of the two really big shifts that have happened. When people come to you for coaching, what's the majority of like, what are they coming for? Like, I want to get faster. I just want to learn how to run better. I just, what, what are they looking to accomplish? What's really interesting is now I would say the majority of runners we work with are women who are 40, 50, and 60 years old, interestingly. Um, and almost all of them are chasing a marathon. Some are chasing a BQ, but a lot are chasing like, I want to finish this feeling good and injury free and strong. And like, I know that there's all these components to it and I have no idea how to put them together or I don't have time to put them together. So just tell me what to do and support me along the way. <laughs> do they ever tell you like, why now? Usually I think a lot of the times it's, I just feel like there's more in me which resonates with me because um, that's me chasing my own goal in Chicago this year. Um, and I just had that sort of feeling like I'm doing these things and I just feel like there's more, but I need a plan and a structure and the right pieces to come together to do it. The other thing is frequently they have done it on their own and gotten injured repeatedly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, do you think for a lot of people, the marathon is like, um, it, it's not even about the running. It's the, I need to push myself to be uncomfortable. And this is the safest way to do it. You know what I mean? Like this race, these many people do it. I'm going to be in a public place where other people are running it. This is the safest way to at least push myself. And if I don't do it, well, a lot of people haven't finished marathons. So do you think that's like, it's not so much the running, it's the pushing themselves. 
It's definitely the pushing themselves. A lot of them, I think, are attracted to me because I talk so much about the joy of running, and so they don't want to lose that. Um, so I do think they enjoy the running, but I also think there is this idea that to be a real runner, you have to run a marathon. Um, it's definitely out there. It is obviously in no way true. Um, but I think a lot of people want to do a marathon to feel like a real runner. So I will have people that have run 13 half marathons and they're like, but I'm not a real runner yet. <laughs> I think, I don't know what qualifies you as a real runner if that's not it. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Jeannie, you're going to say something. Yeah. I think because of when I came out of high school, I only did like two years of track. Like I really wasn't running like that much. I did like one half, one or two half marathons in high school. And the second I graduated, like, cause I knew I wasn't going to run in college at that time. I was like, I, I have to run a marathon. Like I was literally 19 years old, 18 years old. And I was like, I have to run a marathon. Like there's nothing else I can do. That'll make me feel like a runner since I'm not running collegiately. And now I look back, I'm like, why did I run my first marathon at 18 years old? Like that's so, that's so young. Like I have so much more time. And then ever since then I kind of got hooked and then I kind of had to decide between running in college and then running a marathon. And that kind of just like threw me through a ringer. So I feel like it's not, I feel like we, a lot of us perceive like we have to run a half or a full in order to be considered a real runner. Cause when other people ask us, it's like what you brag about. Like, yeah, I ran a half marathon. I've run this many half marathons. I ran this many marathons. So it's really funny because even like some of the best runners in the world at the Olympics haven't even ran a marathon. Yes. I mean, I tell people like running one mile as hard as you can, I find way more difficult than me just finding a comfortable pace and like going. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, well, I'm going to say I've never run a marathon. Yeah. So I've done one half and I've never run a And I consider myself a runner. Yes. You know, uh, will I eventually do one? I think Gina will make me. <laughs> I think she's Not like, she's, yeah, she's pushing me that way. She's already, it, it's funny because, um, and I'm sure this is this way with everybody, but in our group of circle of runners, there are people that are always like, yo, you're going to run this marathon with us. You're going to run this marathon with us. So let's talk about, do you think there's a lot of peer pressure with people to run a marathon? There are race pushers for sure. Oh, race pusher. I've never, I've never heard that term. That's a good one. <laughs> I'm constantly asked like, you want to do this one? You're going to do this one. I'm doing this one. Mm. Um, there is definitely, I think, a little bit of that pressure. I think it's exciting too, right? It's the only real time running gets very much airtime, like when the major marathons are on and you watch them and there is so much emotion involved. Um, and so people also have been out and cheered for other people and they see that feeling that people are having when they cross that finish line. And the numbers of people who like register or like want coaching immediately after like the major marathons happen spike and that's it. It's that emotional, like, I want that feeling of having achieved something really hard. And so I think that sucks us in. We kind of skip over the whole, this is going to take months and many, many hours of my time, but I want that feeling. Have you ever had someone come to you who wanted to run a marathon, but they were literally like at step one of being a runner? Many, many, many. Um, and so then it's about setting realistic expectations. Um, so if 
good example. We had someone come who I chatted with just last week um, that initially was like, hey, I signed up for this race in October and they've been injured like three miles a week is the max they're doing right now. And so I just said, honestly, like if you're okay walking it, maybe, but I would prefer that you pick something farther out because I don't want to be the cause of you being injured again. Like that's not what we're trying to do here. So I could maybe drag you across the finish line walking if you're totally fine with like a six hour day. Cause I'm not going to give you the workouts to make it like a crazy hard fast. Cause it's just, your body needs time. Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common mistakes you see when either they're not like following your training plan or like, why do you think that they're like getting constantly injured? Like, are they pushing themselves too hard? One of the biggest ones is skipping the warm up. Um, so really like I talk about it so much. My runners are just like, we get it, like do the warm up. Um, but it really makes a difference. And maybe I realized that because I got injured or because I'm getting older. Um, but just all the ways it makes the run better. And then 90% of the time when someone ends up at physical therapy, it's because they have weak hips and weak glutes. I mean, almost all of us have been there, done that. And that is the takeaway every time. So getting people to just spend five to 10 minutes on that kind of stuff um, has been a game changer. Mm. Gina was pointing at herself. <laughs> well, I, I tore my hip labrum um, like two or three, I think three years ago now. And it was because of my hips and my glutes being weak. I never did like activation. I never warmed up. I was running entirely too much, doing too much, like too much load, too many workouts. And now I like really had to, I've been fine since then. I ran another marathon since then, but it's really changed like the way that I train, like just encompassing strength training. And then like also taking like more rest days and just running like slow for me. Yeah, I look back and I remember years where I ran seven days a week. Um, and I think, I don't know why I was doing that other than I was chasing like a, you should hit a bunch of miles kind of thing. So just as we get competitive about pace, we get like, how many miles did you run this month? Um, and I'm like, I could have been a much better runner if I would have taken a rest day and like gone hard, gone easy rest, like but that wasn't, there just wasn't as much talk about it. Then I don't feel, we didn't talk about strength training early on when I was younger. We didn't talk about that stuff unless you ended up in physical therapy because you Mm. hurt something and then you would kind of learn the hard way. It's funny. You talk about like picking these random like milestones or like these arbitrary numbers, but that's actually how I, so I've, I've I've never run a marathon, but not not 2020, 2019, I ran a thousand miles in one year. Like my goal was to run a thousand miles. And the way I came up with that goal was, uh, I was on a vacation. It was, um, a company vacation. And, um, a guy was talking about how much he ran and there was a group of people. And the one guy was like, yeah, like so-and-so ran over a thousand miles last year. And everyone was like, Oh, over a thousand miles. That's amazing. And it just, put it in my head that that was a thing that I needed to do just by all their reactions. And that became my thing. So it's weird. The goals that we set for ourselves, just based on these random things that we don't even really register. Why a million percent. I have hit roughly the same number of miles every year for many years. And it got to a point where I realized I was trying to hit a certain mileage. Like I don't really tally it 
but I would get to November, December, and then kind of see, and I would be like, Ooh, you need to run just a little more. So you hit that number. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, why, what am I doing? Like, <laughs> I'm definitely guilty of that too. hundred percent. It's easy to do. And I mean, that is, it's a good thing in running because it does drive you to the next thing. So you just have to kind of be aware of like, when am I using it for like good purposes? And when is it maybe just taking me down the wrong path? So like, I am not a fan of running streaks. Um, I do not condone the seven day a week program I was doing. (laughs) Did you ever work with a coach or like, do you know of any coaches that like have coaches or do you think that? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So I have worked with a coach, almost every coach. So I actually have seven coaches that are on my team now who coach. Um, they've all worked with a coach. Most of my friends who are coaches have a coach. Um, and I think that's kind of a great sign, right. Of someone who's looking to progress and learn. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you kind of have to, especially in something like this, like coaches need coaches, like, you know, even just to bounce, ideas off of or not just like, like not just to coach you but like kind of like talk through do you ever have a uh do you have a coach now that like is hard on you or do you go meet with a coach um so I've never done in person with a coach I have so I'm lucky I have like kind of an amazing group of people that I'm able to like talk to so like I have friends that are physical therapists or functional medicine so like I've always met with them in person and like we get to pick each other's brains and I love it hmm. um on the coaching side of things, I do need someone who will push me a little bit. Cause what I realized is like, I am so busy thinking about everyone else's stuff that like putting together my own training plan kind of became like a, eh, I generally need to run this far to get to the marathon. (laughs) Like all the details in between would get lost. I wanted to talk about that for a minute um, because I'm sure there are people out there who are looking for coaches. So what should a person look for in a coach? Yeah, I think everyone is a little bit different. So personality really does matter. So like, how do you want to be coached? Do you need that person who is going to kind of kick you in the butt and hold you accountable? Like you're missing this stuff. This is not okay. Like what's going on? Or do you need that person who is going to be a little softer, you know? So (laughs) the biggest loser, Jillian Michaels, you know, like, what do you need? Which coach do you need? And it's important to kind of know that about yourself. Um, And then looking at what they offer. So like I said, for me, it strength training is a non-negotiable. So like knowing what your coach offers, there's a lot of different coaches out there. Some of them are only going to provide the running. Some will provide the running and the strength if you like to cross train. So a lot of people love their Peloton now. Like, do you have a coach that will willingly work that into your schedule um, and kind of understanding what their philosophy is and, and how it matches up with the goals you're going after? Mm. So I saw in your bio that you are continuing education for um, at like looking into athletes going through like menopause and premenopause. Yes. yes. I've always been like really interested in like, I know this might sound weird to you, Chris, but I've always been really interested in like how you should train like around your period cycles or like how that affects it or affects like your training or if you should do like less during like your cycles that like different stages with your hormones. So like, what have you learned um, through your continuing education through that. Wait, hold on. That's not weird to me at all. That's actually a great know, question. You're a man. <laughs> oh, like, oh, okay. But that doesn't mean like, that doesn't mean like every question has to be based for, on me and only 
the uh, we can only ask the guest questions that pertain yeah. to me. Like I'm glad well, you yeah. asked. But I feel like it's not talked about enough. Like, I feel like I never come across anybody that talks about like training through like their cycle. Yeah, it's slowly become a bigger conversation. And I think some of it is because there's now an aging population of runners. So women who are still running at 50 and 60, whereas, I mean, I think back to my mom and my grandma and like, it was just kind of assumed you were that age, you did not do those things anymore. Um, So it's slowly becoming more talked about. Part of the problem is there's very little research done on women. So most studies are done on men because it's easier. They don't have to account for the fact that their hormones could be influencing things. Um, In terms of like training around our cycle, I think one of the most interesting things is actually that like the day we start our cycle, most women assume would be our worst, but it could actually be your best day. So like... Paula Radcliffe that a lot of people know, like as a superior runner, like set her like best times ever then. So it's kind of a weird, like we assume that that day is bad. Um, One of the big things really has been that, you know, Garmin has in their apps, some tracking features. And now there's another tool called wild AI. So just getting women to actually track symptoms it's fascinating. So like for me, I realized, okay, four days before I have no energy and it no matter like consistently, it's the worst workout of my entire like month of training. And it took until I was tracking to understand that's what was happening. Otherwise it was just this random bad day. Um, so for a lot of women that like tracking just helps to kind of understand. And so the other piece of that was, in that lead up to our cycle starting, really increasing carbs helps with that fatigue that we're having so we can keep training well. Um, There's some other stuff around like we're better at building muscle during certain phases um, and stuff like that. Once we get into like the perimenopause and the menopause, um, it's an interesting thing that I don't think a lot of people think about I do because I actually had hormonal issues starting at like 29. So when your estrogen falls off, your other hormone, which is cortisol, your stress hormone wants to go way, way up. And so we have to change that style of training a little bit. You have to truly train easy on your easy days. You have to actually take rest days. It doesn't mean that you stop doing plyometrics or hard workouts, but you have to actually embrace those other two pieces, which I think so many of us like are guilty of being in that weird little gray zone where it's not easy and it's not hard. Um, and your body really starts to rebel at that point. I'm going to ask a follow-up female question, Gina, because I, I have one. Um, I'm sure you've worked with women like early stages of pregnancy. I don't know how far into pregnancy and then after pregnancy, what advice would you give on those? Yeah, it's interesting because again, like, gosh, every single woman is so different. So like some of them are able to kind of run straight through. Some of them can't run at all in the beginning because they feel awful and then run the second half. Um, So I think it's a mental thing almost as much as anything. It's being willing to sort of say like at this time of life, I am going to listen to what my body says, and I will allow that to dictate my training and know that I can come back after. Um, 
most of the women I know who then run after having kids are faster and stronger. Um, I think maybe because like they're more resilient now or they've thought like, if I can do that, I can sure do this. Um, so it's sort of a fascinating thing to see. Something you touched on before that I, I never really thought about until you mentioned it. Um, when you were talking about ages just a minute ago and about finding people who were knowledgeable about running, like if you take someone, so my parents are uh, 78 and 75. So if you take them and make them my age, if they were interested in running, who could they talk to? Probably not many people. But now at my age, like I think pretty much all of my friends are runners. I could easily find so many people who, you know, uh, books and everything like that. So it's it's really crazy how it's changed to you know, as the years go by now, probably the next generation after this, like everybody, you know, not maybe not everybody will be a runner, but there'll be so many runners out there that like it, it changes with every dynamic. Do you see the sport or the idea of running ever maybe not being as popular? I feel like from the growth that we've seen, I think it will keep going. I think largely, I do think strength training is going to gain a little more traction as people start to see more and more information about how strength training is a faster way to weight loss than running. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people start running with the idea of weight loss, which is totally cool. Like it does work, but strength training actually probably works better or works better in combination. Um, so it's not just all the cardio. Um, so I think that'll be an interesting thing to kind of see, but I do think just the challenge, the endorphins 100% um, are part of what keep us coming back. So I do think it'll keep going. So you wrote over 200 or 2000 research articles on running. Yes. Okay. So what are like your top favorite? Name them all. Your top favorite, like the ones that you found like most interesting. Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I feel like everything that comes to mind is always like whatever I've talked about recently. Um, or anything like most shocking, like anything you came across that was like really crazy. <laughs> Gosh, that's so hard. Um, I do always feel like this stuff around like elite runners is kind of interesting. So like that idea of them starting out at like a nine minute mile on easy days, I think for a lot of people that is really like, I don't understand, like, what are you talking about? How does that work? Um, or kind of looking at, you know, how does altitude actually impact our running um, or summer running being, you know, it's about that dew point as much as it is the heat. So kind of understanding, oh, it doesn't just feel harder. My body actually is working harder because of the humidity. Um, so I think some of that stuff is always kind of interesting. Do you ever have one of the articles that like really took off, like with comments or something like that? And you're like, wow, that was like an even bigger reception than I thought it was going to be. It's usually not the articles that I expect at all. The mm -hmm. ones I think like, oh, this is what everyone's asking for. And then like not much. And then some random thing that I'll talk about will go crazy. Mm -hmm. um, like seven tips to become a morning runner. Like uh, all right. I didn't realize like that was your biggest problem, but apparently it's like a really big problem um, or piriformis syndrome. So a lot of the injury stuff tends to 
get shared around a lot because we're all trying to self-diagnose. <laughs> Actually, Gina and I just had a conversation about this. I can see the morning runner kind of being something that would be popular because so for the past week, uh, we've been dealing with horrendous humidity and like uh, it's been 90 degrees and humid and just disgusting. So you have to get out there by like eight o'clock or it's going to be awful. So we were talking about how for like, you know, two or three months out of the year here, you have to really become a morning runner. And if you're not, there's some people that aren't, they just aren't. So I could see something like that. Or if you did an article, like how to become a late afternoon or night runner, because if, if you can't do it in the morning, well, seven, eight o'clock, it's going to be a little bit better. So I, I could see something like that kind of taking off. Yeah. I've written about being an evening runner too. It's interesting because <laughs> It's just an interesting dynamic to sort of get people's like thoughts on it. The evening runner almost always is like, I feel like I just have to do it then. I only have 30 minutes after work. And so they're like, I don't need your tips. This is all like, I can get it done and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people, yes, are like, okay, I'm running in the mornings, but I gotta, I actually gotta do this or I'll never run any other time in the day. Right. I think it's also too, because all of us, strive to be a morning person and no one's ever like oh i wish i was an evening person i wish i was a late afternoon person like no one ever says that <laughs> this is very true um last uh last week we did an episode on um weird running traits like weird things that runners do literally not weird at all like yeah. none of them not a there single one on the list was weird but i was thinking about it and i was like maybe they're not weird because we are runners and that's why they're not weird to us so amanda i'm gonna ask you is there anything that you do that's weird or that someone outside of running would consider weird um the big one is usually that like i will eat dry cereal with just like a spoonful of peanut butter <laughs> i do that I do that. I literally eat, I will literally sit there and eat dry cereal before I run. And people are like, why don't you use like almond milk? I'm like, no, I need yeah, dry cereal. Like a spoonful <laughs> of nut butter and like some Cheerios. My husband is always like, what is, what's happening over here? <laughs> Again, not weird, not weird to me. Like, I don't, I don't see that as weird. Are you, do you have any like running superstitions? No, I'm pretty good with that kind of stuff. I do think it's good to have like, oh, these are my lucky socks. Like we know that kind of like mental stuff works, um, but I don't really have very many of those anymore. Probably just broken myself of them over so many years. <laughs> have you have you ever coached anybody with like really weird, like mental tics or like any, or weird superstitions that they had to do? You know, I mean, I've had a couple people and I don't know that it's weird, but more just the really afraid to run in public kind of like thing. Like they don't want anyone to see them running. And I think that comes back to kind of the comparison thing we were talking about. So they have an idea that people are really going to judge how they look while they're running, um, which is interesting because I think most people see anyone running and are like, bravo, bravo. I really think that is what most people are thinking. <laughs> I was actually thinking about this the other day. We talked about it on our run. Yeah, um, because like- People eyeball you. What? <laughs> yeah, how people eyeball you when you're running. Yeah, no, like it's like, you can't tell if they're like, <laughs> get out of the road or if they're like, oh my God, wow, I wish that like, I could, I could be like that. And then I was watching TikToks the other day and somebody was talking about like, 
being in their bathing suit and like you just shouldn't care like it's summer and I feel like a lot of that goes with like women running or even guys running like shirtless or like girls running in their sports bra like really nobody nobody cares nobody's going to judge you out there running in your sports bra when it's 100 degrees like you're the only person that is going to really care at the end of the day so no one's really going to judge you so you might as well just do it and you might inspire somebody else too I um I have a problem running shirtless I don't run in my sports bra, so. <laughs> okay. Like I, I will run shirtless. Like if I'm in the woods or like, it's just a thing like running through the streets shirtless, especially like around here, like when people are going to work and things like that, it's just for something in my head. Like I just don't, just don't do it. If I was at the beach, I would do it. But I like, feel like you might be similar to me. I was trying to figure this out for myself the other day because I was like, all of my friends will run shirtless. So I was like, what is this? And I was like, I think it's this weird thing I grew up with where my mom would be like, you need to be modest. And so I think that's what it is where I, uh, I think that's what it has to be at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you try it, I swear it's like life-changing. Like what? You just feel so free. Like to just run in your sports bra and to just, it just like feels like, I don't know. I can't describe it. It's just well, so nice. Gina, we know your opinion of sports bras. We, yeah. <laughs> yes. I have a very viral opinion of sports bras. Yeah, uh, Amanda. So Gina went viral for her opinion on sports bras. Uh, I don't know if you, I don't know if you saw the story a couple of years ago uh, when uh, Gina, Gina you, you can explain it better than me. Yeah, my college um, track team, uh, there was a whole scandal with like the football coaches saying that we were distracting on the track because we were running in our sports bras and like the guys were allowed to run shirtless, but we weren't allowed to run in our sports bras. So I wrote an article, a very strongly worded article about how I thought it was very unfair. Um, And then we kind of just started this whole like sports bra movement at my school. So I love it. Uh, she's making she's being modest it made like national news yeah i was on the news the abc came to my to my college it was a big deal yeah i love it yeah um i but amanda like what you were talking about the the modesty thing uh do you also because i do this too uh do you also lower the radio when you get into a neighborhood like if your radio is loud and playing loud like I'll play it loud, but once I pull into a neighborhood, I'm kind of like, I lower it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do that too. <laughs> okay. So it's not just me. I thought I was the only weird one that did it, but there we go. That's a weird thing. That's got nothing to do with the running, nope. but we're both modest in that way. Um, so real quick, let's talk about you put, I, I didn't see online when it was, but you put a book out. Um, yeah. Right. As the pandemic started super perfect timing. <laughs> Well, I mean, look, if anybody had time to sit around and read, that's the time to do it. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, so um, yes, the week, uh, March 3rd was the day that it came out. So, you know, whatever, the world closed down March 13th, I think, or something. So um, I got in a couple of stops of a book tour um, mm-hmm. before everything stopped, but um, I'm still really proud of it. It's done really well this year. Um, and I think a lot of it, did kind of speak to the people who were taking up running again this year um, and really talking about how to enjoy it without being so consumed by what your pace is and what are the little pieces to kind of keep you injury free and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I actually made a joke once on Instagram. Uh, it was a shout out to all the parents who suddenly took up running now that they're homeschooling. 
<laughs> all of a sudden you're a runner now <laughs> you, you i really it. need to go outside i'll be back yep. <laughs> yeah yeah so um tell everybody where they can find you uh online your books everything like that sure so run to the finish.com uh run to the finish on every social media platform the book is called run to the finish we made it real real easy <laughs> uh one thing i do want to touch on real quick because i noticed so your website has been around since 2007 right mm -hmm. yes i mean I, I, like there's a lot of stuff on there i mean you really have i mean i mean and it's like it's easy to find it's easy to navigate um did you have that in your head first like, how did it, how did it, what came first, writing and then you launched the website or you were like, I'm going to make this website and write on it? So 2007 was like the beginning of blogs. It was just, it was our social media at the time. So now you post a photo on Instagram, people comment. Well, back then you posted like two paragraphs about your run and the guacamole you ate and mm -hmm. people commented on it. Um, so really for me at the time, it was just my way to try and connect with other runners because people around me weren't runners. Um, so it really wasn't until 2012. So that's the point where it actually became my full-time job. Um, and I really started realizing like, A, I knew I loved writing. That's why I went to school for writing. Um, but really realized I could put it together and, and combine both the things I enjoyed. And uh, the article ideas, like, do they come just based on what you're dealing with? Or like, do people ask you so many questions that you start to write? But like, where, where do you come up with the ideas for those? Yeah, I feel like I have a never ending list of things that I need to write about. Um, and some of it is exactly that. I get so many questions. Um, mm. So it's very helpful when I have an article that I can point to, um, but it does help me kind of see like, okay, this is what people are dealing with right now. And I also try to think back to like, what did I need to know when I was starting out? Cause it's really easy when you've been running so long to assume like, yeah, everybody knows this, but they don't, I didn't. Um, so I try to think about that a lot too. Gotcha. Well, so everybody should go to run to the finish.com and they can find everything about Amanda and her coaching and all her articles. And, uh, Gina and I want to thank you for being on the podcast. We really like talking to you. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> this was great. And that's going to bring another episode of we run this to a close. Gina and I want to thank our guest and thank everyone that's listening out there. If you love the show, please be sure to share it with your friends and leave a review on iTunes. If you want to follow the show on social, check us out on Instagram and Twitter at we run this underscore pod. That's we run this underscore pod. Thanks for listening and we'll see you out on the road.